You are listening to episode number eight of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leaves a lasting impact in your business, career, community, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons you want and need to become Love Noteworthy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Love Noteworthy Show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm just filled with gratitude today that you are spending your time to listen to our podcast show. And today, before we start, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, how the universe works in very mysterious ways. Now, the past couple days, I've kind of encountered some unfortunate circumstances which have disabled me from going back into Los Angeles. And I guess that is the life of being an entrepreneur. But regardless of that, I've been trying to really search for meaning and find some inspiration in an article or something that would really provide me with uh, something to feel better about. So I came across this great article about the Dalai Lama and his 18 rules for living. And one of the rules is all about remembering that not getting what you want is sometimes a wonderful stroke of luck. And to dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, it talks a lot about how not everything that you desire will be necessarily good for you in the long run. And if something just seems not to work out continually in such a way that it seems almost like fate has intervened, consider letting it go or coming back to it at another time. And this is because the universe works in mysterious ways and it should be trusted. Just be sure that you are not mistaking your own failures as the universe telling you something. And that really resonated with me and has made me decide to stay back in Vancouver for the short term. And today, diving into how the universe works in mysterious ways, my guest today is Melanie Dodero, who is Canada's LinkedIn expert. And I've been dying, absolutely dying to interview her and was looking at a couple photos from one of my girlfriends, Kelsey Cole, who is a phenomenal young PR associate with an exceptional beauty company and came across this photo of her and Melanie and asked her about how she knew Melanie. And she's like, oh, she's pretty much like my, my stepmom. Like she's amazing. She's just such a wonderful force. And I believe Melanie was actually going to visit Kelsey today in Toronto. So long story short, we got an e-introduction and Melanie was so grateful and graceful in conducting this interview today. And so in our interview today with Melanie, we're going to be talking about all of the things you need to know about LinkedIn for building your business or your career, or just building connections in the industry of your choice. And so some of the things that we are covering are why LinkedIn is a main platform for building your reputation as an influencer or authority, how we can use LinkedIn as a business or person the top three mistakes that LinkedIn users do that we should be mindful of, how to integrate search engine optimization into your LinkedIn profile, and how to really optimize your profile with the right keywords and sayings and industry terms to really highlight or attract recruiters, how someone can be considered a thought leader in their industry based on their profiles, as well as much, much more. So stay tuned as we cover a ton of really valuable information for you in our interview with Melanie Dodero, the LinkedIn expert 
and owner of Top Dog Social Media. Welcome back to the Love Noteworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Reese, and today I have a very special guest. She has been dubbed by media as Canada's number one LinkedIn expert because of her worldwide reputation for LinkedIn and social selling expertise, and her name is Melanie Dodaro. Welcome, Melanie, and thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you spending the time to be here. Oh, thank you, Reese. It's absolutely my pleasure. Awesome. So... For the listeners that may not know um, about Melanie, I'm going to give you a little bit more of a background. Uh, She's the founder of Top Dog Social Media, an agency that helps businesses, professionals, and sales teams leverage social selling to boost their visibility, attract more leads and clients, and put more revenue in their pipeline. Melanie is also the author of The LinkedIn Code, which was released this year and we'll definitely be talking about a bit later in the interview. And this is a book that provides a complete step-by-step lead generation plan for using LinkedIn. She also trains organizations and sales teams all across North America on LinkedIn strategies and advanced social selling techniques. So these are tactics and strategies that are generating results today for top sales teams in all industries. And if that isn't enough, her work has also been published in the Social Media Examiner, Social Media Today, and the Canadian Business Journal. And she's been featured um, on CTV, Globe and Mail, the Wall Street Journal, and the National Post among other publications. So like I said, I'm so grateful for you to be here. And before we start diving deep into talking about LinkedIn today, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you started Top Dog Social Media? Yeah, absolutely. So it actually is kind of a funny story. I started using social media in 2007 extremely reluctantly. As you might know, Reese, Canadians are more dialed into social networks than any other country in the world. And so back in 2007, Toronto was the number one city worldwide for Facebook users per capita. Oh, wow. And so I was born and raised there. And so my family and and many of my friends uh, still live there. I I live out on the West Coast now. But um, all my family kept bugging me, asking me to get on Facebook. I'm like, what is this? stupid Facebook, I had no clue what it was, and didn't even notice it at my own profile. My cousin literally walked me through it step by step over the phone. Uh, and so, you know, in the beginning, when I first started using it, the only people that I would allow to be, you know, Facebook friends was my immediate family and, and closest friends, and that was it. Everybody else had just declined. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple months in, I started to really realize that there was a business application to social media, and so I kind of dove in and started learning everything I could because I had just written a book. And it was my first book, and I, I really didn't know how to market it. I had tons of marketing experience. Um, I, I've been a long-time entrepreneur and owned a lot of different businesses and spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to marketing them with TV, radio, newspaper. Mm-hmm. But no experience on how to you know market a $20 book. <laughs> so uh, I dove in and, and really started to study and, and took every course and seminar and hired coaches and read books and you, you name it for like three years. And after about three years, obviously I'm still a learner. <laughs> mm-hmm. After about three years, I really started having some really great success with it, having a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs reaching out to me and saying, you know, hey, Melanie, I really love what you're doing on this network or that network. Can you give me some advice or can you help me out? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I just absolutely loved doing that and realized that uh, I had a passion and it was great. I mean, you know, it was cutting edge of, of really, you know, business 
since realizing that they no longer had a choice of whether to be to be online. I, I you know, we still get our phone books delivered to to our doors these days. Yet mm-hmm. nobody opens the phone book. Everybody's doing their searches online. So um, that's really how my company got started, and it was. You know, once it, once it was kind of going, I, I realized that LinkedIn, well, LinkedIn was really always my favorite social network because of the business nature to it. No, nobody's talking about what they had for lunch or sharing their party pictures on LinkedIn <laughs> like they do on Facebook. So it's, you know, got a more serious um, nature to it. And I liked that as a business owner and, and really looking at, you know, where can you get that leverage for business? So well, I started to really become, a, you know, specialized in that area as well. Uh, you know, as a full-service agency, we just do everything. But that's kind of my area that I mm-hmm. focus on, LinkedIn and social selling for sales teams and so forth. And, you know, that's where we're seeing the most results. I mean, 70% of our business comes from LinkedIn alone. And it's most people that are, you know, really leveraging LinkedIn are seeing some great results from it. I think there's... Uh, there's just tons of different stats. One of them out there is 277%. Uh, LinkedIn's 277% more effective for lead generation than Facebook or Twitter. Wow. So, you know, it's stats like that. And, and the, the cool thing about that, Reese, is that hardly anybody actually knows how to use LinkedIn. And so people are having success using it, barely even knowing how to use it. And so my goal is to teach as many people as possible how to really use it, how to use it properly, understand best practices, understand LinkedIn etiquette, understand what actually works in terms of, you know, generating leads from it, how to leverage that. And, you know, those numbers will skyrocket. You know, I always say when I'm running a course or an online course or a program, you know, my goal is to make the people that are studying uh, with me to be 2,777% more effective because now they actually know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just um, actually signed up for like the premium account recently after being um, recommended to do so like by many, many, many people. So I'm excited to learn more about your tips for LinkedIn because I'm sure I'm well, underutilizing you know, you might, it. Yeah, that's a great point because it's a question every single time I speak, every single time that, that question gets asked, should I get a premium account? And so, um, you know, the answer, the answer should always be a depends. Mm-hmm. really depends on how you're going to use it. Do you need some of the features that are only available in premium accounts? Like, for example, you know, LinkedIn's got a phenomenal advanced search. You can dial in and find your ideal prospect so easily on LinkedIn through the advanced search. Mm-hmm. But if you are a company that, well, I'm just going to throw out an example, but like, let's say you're a sales rep, for example, for a company, and your target audience is only Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. Well, with the LinkedIn search, it becomes a little bit more challenging to zero into very specific things like, you know, companies with 10,000 plus employees or companies, um, you know, Fortune 500 or Fortune 100. Those search functionalities are available to a premium account. So if you are, your target audience is, you know, small business owners and entrepreneurs and, you know, local businesses or anything like that, you don't need some of those advanced search features. Mm-hmm. So there's some other things that come into play that, you know, make it nice. Like, for example, it's kind of cool to see every single person that's viewed your profile. Um, <laughs> it's a vanity it's thing, kind of, I think. You know, it's a feature <laughs> that people like. That's available when you have a premium account, whereas you can only see the last five with a free account. So there's a number of different reasons why um, make upgrading makes sense. And for some people, it doesn't make sense. For some people, they really don't need to spend the extra, you know, 25 or $50 a month or whatever it is, depending on the, the package that you choose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so taking a step back a bit, um, we can talk about LinkedIn again in a second. Um, 
as an entrepreneur, so say there's a small business owner, is there a certain suite of like social media channels that you recommend that all companies should be on? Um, or is it more of a case by case basis? I would never say that all companies should be on certain ones, but we can break it down a little bit, okay. right? We can break it down to, you know, B2C companies and B2B companies, so businesses that service other businesses. Mm-hmm. Hands down, you know, number one, no thought about it, LinkedIn. You can almost just do LinkedIn yeah. <laughs> and not worry about, you know, the other channels. Um, having said that, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't, but, you know, there isn't an opportunity. You might want to leverage uh, Twitter. You definitely should be doing content marketing, so blogging and creating mm-hmm. great content that positions you, um, that gets you, you know, good potential Google search results and stuff like that. For a B2C company, so a company that's dealing with consumers and users of your, of your actual products, um, you know, Facebook can work if you're prepared to put an ad budget, uh, you know, in it. If you're not prepared to put an ad budget, don't even waste your time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's shifted a lot. You know, you just won't. Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, absolutely. Twitter's a great tool to be able to, like, let's say, for example, you were a restaurant. You could set up keyword triggers to be notified when people write in things like, I'm hungry within your geographic region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you could jump on that. You could be, you know, you could send them a message and say, hey, you know, I saw your post about being hungry, you know, we got this on special today, I'm going to give you a private message to me and I'll give you a, a coupon code for a free app or, or 10% off your meal or something like that. So there's some cool things that, you know, some businesses can do. Um, you know, that's a restaurant example. Pinterest, you know, if, you've, if that's your audience, if your audience is there, if it's, you know, predominantly female and, you know, your, your business uh, can involve pretty pictures and stuff like that, <laughs> you can get some results there. I mean, so it really depends. Uh, my advice, though, is less is more. Okay. If you try to be everywhere and you try to do everything, you're going to do a lousy job at it. Now, you know, we're a social media agency, so, of course, we have a presence everywhere. Uh, you know, and when I say everywhere, I don't mean everywhere, actually. I mean everywhere in the big, you know, the big top seven, let's say. Mm-hmm. The others, you know, there's all these other, I get emails from people all the time saying, hey, Molly, we just created this new social network. We'd love for you to, you know, be part of our beta test or to give us your feedback and give you a demo and give you a free um, subscription to it. And I'm, my answer is always like, the world does not need another social network. We just <laughs> don't. There's not enough time in the day for the ones we have. Yeah. So focus on the ones where you can do the best job, where it's easiest to reach your target audience. And when I say easiest, let me give you an example of that. On LinkedIn and Twitter, you have the ability to reach out and connect with somebody. On Twitter, you can send somebody a message, you can retweet their stuff, mm-hmm. you can you know, mention them in your tweet. On LinkedIn, you can send them a connection request message, you can do certain things. On Facebook, you can do the same if it's your personal profile. But if it's a business page and you're a business and you're utilizing your business page, you have no control. Mm-hmm. You can't reach out to anybody. So it's what I call passive social network. I don't like passive social networks because as a business owner, we need to be in control of our results and our marketing, and you can't have control with a passive social network. So, you know, that's what I mean by looking at where can you reach them the easiest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where where are they, and where is it easy for you to actually reach them and start a conversation? So, um, and look at those, you know, those specific channels and, and find, you know, I'm going to say two or three, but okay. there's some businesses that are B2B companies, literally, it can just be LinkedIn and blogging. Having yeah. said that, if you've got more time and resources, throw Twitter into the mix, for example. For 
sure. You know, if you've got other resources, maybe some YouTube videos make sense. You know. Yeah, that's great advice. I definitely advise people that less is more. Um, and just figuring out what the best fit for you is, especially for small business owners too. Like they're trying to manage not only running their business, but also doing their finances and their marketing and their outreach. And then adding social media on top of that is just another thing. And at the end of the day, consistency is going to beat out kind of half-assed efforts on multiple channels that if like they're trying to do everything at once. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So um, in talking about LinkedIn, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about your book that was released this year? So you recently released an international number one bestselling book called The LinkedIn Code, Unlock the Largest Online Business Social Networks to Get Leads, Prospects, and Clients for B2B Professional Services and Sales and Marketing Pros. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the book and give us an overview of what readers are going to gain from reading it? That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, just the LinkedIn code is good. Subtitle <laughs> super long because what I, thorough. what I, I did like it. is I was very strategic in utilizing the right keywords yeah. to get found in Amazon search. Exactly. So people are like, "Wow, that's like quite a mouthful." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, the book's called the LinkedIn Code, right? That's the name of it. Short, sweet. Um, there's this big long subtitle because you want you want to get found in the search results. So the same thing as if you're blogging. Same mm-hmm. thing you're doing." Uh, your LinkedIn profile, you need to put the right words into the right places so that you get found. And so my book, basically what my book is, we offer a service called LinkedIn Nomination Service. This is where we write people's profiles for mm-hmm. them. Okay. We create a LinkedIn lead generation campaign for them. We'll write the messages that we've they've used. We create um, you know, the, the, the whole sequence of how they'd reach out to prospects and how often and when and what they'd say, and, you know, kind of create that whole thing and provide them with the training on, on how to implement it themselves and uh, or or we also do the implementation for some some clients. And, and one of the things that I realized is, you know, it's such an amazing service and, and it's a service that, you know, people just get phenomenal results if they implement um, and not everybody can afford it. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I actually documented what we do um, in my book. And so it starts off with really, you know, zeroing in on who that ideal client is, what they're, you know, what they're struggling with, what you help with, kind of really just dialing that in, you know, from a message standpoint to get really succinct with that. And then to write a client-focused LinkedIn profile that speaks to those people mm-hmm. so that when they land on your profile that it resonates with them. And it makes them, inspires them to reach out and, and take action and connect with you or to, you know, email you or phone you or whatever it is you want them to do. And that's part of the call to action, figuring out what that is. So my book goes through, you know, creating that, that messaging for your ideal clients and then writing your profile, optimizing your profile so you get found at the top of the search results. And then what are the LinkedIn best practices etiquette that you need to know about? Because so many people make mistakes on LinkedIn that, you know, they just don't know better. They, they don't know better, and what they're doing is they're actually really, really hurting themselves. They're damaging their credibility. They're looking like a spammer or, you know, they just don't look good. And so understanding what they are and then helping people create the message sequence that they're going to use to start to reach out to their ideal prospects. And what a day and a week in LinkedIn and social selling looks like. What are the highest leveraging activities that you should and and 
and, you know, can be doing that's going to produce results. I'm laying that all out with, you know, samples of scripts and, and samples of, uh, you know, a checklist of what a day and a week looks like and basically laying it out. So it's like basically your lead, LinkedIn lead generation plan. That is amazing. I love that. It's so great, especially, again, like for small business owners who maybe don't necessarily have the money to hire on like an external party, but do have the time at night to read a book or something or invest their time into doing this, they can. But then for the clients that do not have a lot of time and have the money to help you set them up for success, then it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, so tell me, what are the top three mistakes that LinkedIn users do that our listeners should be mindful of that you've seen? Yeah, the first one is that they don't take the time to create a great profile. Um, and they make their profile all about them. And, and, you know, it's really counterintuitive to say, your LinkedIn profile really needs to be client-focused. It should be very little about you. Mm-hmm. And it's so counterintuitive because people think it's their online resume or their professional bio. Right. And that's all well and good if you're looking for a job. If you're looking for a job, you can absolutely take that approach. But if you're looking to generate business from LinkedIn, if you're looking to use it as a business-building tool, then you need to make it about the person that you're, you know, you're wanting to attract. And having said that, of course, there does need to be a little bit of information about you, um, but then you quickly move into, you know, who it is you serve, what their problems are, and how, how your solutions can help them, and really make sure that it's client focused. My goal is when I write profile for a client that when something lands on it, uh, that's their ideal client, that it resonates with them and speaks to them. Like, they mm-hmm. see themselves in it. They not only see themselves in it, they see their problem in it. So it's really just about keep, you know, creating that really, really client-focused uh, profile, making sure that it looks great. So, you know, adding some, you know, uh, just adding some, some different stuff into it. You can add, uh, you know, videos. You can add slide share presentations, yeah. things like that. You really want to stand out. I mean, social media is busy. It's noisy. And LinkedIn's no different. And so you want to make sure that you stand out. I, I have basically a three-step uh, formula that I talk about for a profile. One is get found. So figure out the right keywords that your ideal clients would use when they're looking for what you offer. So, for example, if you're a website uh, person, you build websites for people, you know, you might want to kind of come up with some cool creative names like, you know, website extraordinaire or whatever, right? Like people just come yeah. up with all these bizarre names. Like website people ninja. Looking for. They're looking for a website designer or they're looking for a website developer. Keep it simple. Marketing should never be complex. As soon as you make it complex, you lose them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, figure out what those words are that they would use when they're looking for you. And business owners make this mistake a lot. They'll put that they're the owner and founder of their business. Well, guess what? The only people that are looking for owner and founders are the salespeople that I train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But I, I'm like, oh, salespeople, if, your business, if your, your target market's owners and founders of small businesses, just use those because they all use that. Um, but if somebody's looking for, you know, what you offer... They're going to use specific keyword terms. So that's the first thing. Get found. Use the right keyword. Second is, you know, your profile needs to attract your ideal client. So write it in a client-focused manner. Speak to who it is you want to attract. If you try to speak to everybody, you'll speak to nobody. If you try to market to everybody, you market to nobody. So unless you get specific and speak to the ideal client you want to attract, you're not basically going to attract anybody. Hmm. And then the last step is, is to stand out, doing things that, you know, complete your profile in its entirety, make sure you have a nice good headshot, add multimedia, you can have video, which allows, you know, to use a humanized 
uh, your profile, get people to, you know, kind of feel for who you are, you know, fill out the various sections, get recommendations, you know, social proof, all that kind of stuff. The second mistake uh, is that people use LinkedIn's default messages. So let's say, for example, you and I were to connect on LinkedIn, Reese, and you were just to hit the connect button, you'd send me a general, you know, a default LinkedIn message. I don't often accept them at this point in time. Hmm. Uh, I used to be, you know, all about growing my network and, you know, making, you know, obviously I wouldn't accept people that look kind of shady or spammy or anything like that. But, you know, if they didn't take the time to send me a, you know, a personalized message, I didn't worry about it. Now I do because I'm reaching close to the limit of the amount of contacts that I can have on LinkedIn. So now I'm like, you know, I'm just not accepting anyone unless... A, I, I know who they are. B, I can see that they're really professional and reputable. Or C, they personalize the message to me. Yeah, that's funny. I always personalize my messages, except for when it's somebody that I know really well in person. Um, and that's fine. I'll just like, default totally it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it's quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that's like a big challenge is that when people do uh, send recommend or send uh, connection requests via certain functions, like via a LinkedIn app on an iPhone or an iPad, mm-hmm. it doesn't allow you to customize. Yeah, I've noticed so, that. So, yeah, so a lot of times when I'm speaking on stage, I'll, I'll tell people in the audience, I'm like, you know, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Connecting with me, you know, will allow you to massively increase your network because all my first and second level connections become, you know, your, your second and third, and it just grows your network exponentially when you connect with somebody that's got a large network. So, I'm like, feel free to connect with me, happy to accept, providing that you send me a personalized note and say that you heard me speak here. And then I'll get all these panicked messages from people that will send me an initial connection request using the default message and then send me quickly another one saying, oh my gosh, Melody, I am so sorry. I've wanted to send you a personalized message, but it didn't allow me to. It just sent it. And that's because they're sending it, you know, via, you know, the the app or something like that and it doesn't allow for it. So whenever you're sending a message uh, or connection request to people uh, that you don't, that you want to, you know, at grow to your network, you have to have good connection request uh, message, you know, that's personalized to them. Click on their profile and just click the connect button from it within their profile and then you'll never worry about making that mistake. That is great, great, great advice. Um, I had a side question for you. How do you feel about the endorsements function on LinkedIn? Mm, such a great question. So uh, I have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those like vanity metrics, but it doesn't actually mean anything. I don't know. Yeah, you know, for the most part, it's pretty stupid. It's you know, it's people just it's the one click, you know, one click. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really add a tremendous amount of social proof that people have actually taken the time to to do something. However, the way LinkedIn has positioned it, the way that they've set it up, where you can see all those little pictures next to it, and you can see, you know, 99 plus if somebody's got, like, I think one of my one of my recommendations or, or one of my endorsements for social media marketing has got, like, you know, close to 1,500 endorsements just for that one term. Whoa. Um, people just keep endorsing it, right? So when you see that, you have there's a part of you, even though you know that there's one, it's one click, that when you see that, all those little pictures, 99 plus, there's a level of social proof that's almost subconscious. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, hmm, this person must know something about that mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. all of these people to endorse them. Exactly. Now, 
there's another benefit to getting endorsements for key, uh, for specific terms is they actually help in the Google, in the in the LinkedIn search ranking. Mm, okay. So if you're getting a whole bunch of uh, endorsements on a specific term, and you have somebody else that has a similar profile to you and has half the amount, you're going to show up them in a lot most cases. Interesting. So that's the other thing. Now the thing that I the, the, the hate side of that <laughs> is that LinkedIn allows you to endorse people for skills that aren't even on your profile, mm-hmm. which is stupid to me. Like, if somebody wants to endorse me, endorse me for the skills that I put on my profile. I continuously have somebody endorsing me the term general awesomeness. And as wonderful and nice as I think that is, I'm not putting it on my profile because the words that I choose on my profile are very specific to what I want to be found for. Hmm. I don't want to be found for general awesomeness. I'm, I'm appreciative that somebody, you know, did that, but it's not going <laughs> on my profile, you know. So, and there's, and you know, people will will endorse me for. Oh, I've got tons just like sitting there web analytics. I'm not an analytical person. I'm really, I'm really not, you know. So web analytics isn't my thing. Google analytics, no. I have people on my team that do that stuff. I don't do that, you know. Yeah. So, um, what happens is sometimes you'll ask accidentally accept those endorsements that people have given you that you don't actually have in your profile, on your profile. And some of them might work because you're like, oh, you know, yeah, I would like that. Whereas others are like, oh, gosh, I wish I didn't accept that. Just go ahead and edit it and move it. Mm, okay. I'm going to do that right after this <laughs> <laughs> on a couple of those things. Um, I want to be mindful of your time. I know we have a hard stop in a few minutes here. So um, I'm going to try and race through some questions with you. Um, okay. Okay, so on LinkedIn, uh, we've talked a little bit about kind of SEO or like the search function on LinkedIn. Uh, what are some tips for optimizing your profile with the right keywords and saying in industry terms? Or like, yeah, the the, key, the real key here is to listen to and pay attention to the t- terms that your your ideal clients would use. Okay. They're often not the same terms that you would use, and so you have to be paying attention to those conversations that you have when somebody emails you, when somebody calls you, when you're having a conversation with somebody, what are the words that they're using? Then you need to make sure that you put those exact same keywords, like let's say you choose three primary keywords, Mm -hmm. that you put them all throughout your profile, that you add them to your headline, your summary, and your current experience, and your past experience, and your intros, and your skills, and you put them through all those places. If you're you're inconsistent, and you're like, let's say you're creating a list of like 12 keywords, and you're putting three here and three there, three here and three there, you're not actually really optimizing your profile. Mm, You're only optimizing your profile if you're using the same words in multiple places. So you never want this to spammy or like keyword stuffing. You do it very conversational in, in your writing and just make sure that they're in there. Um, so, so, you know, the key is pay attention to the words that people use and they look for what you offer. And then the second thing is, you know, put them throughout your profile and be consistent with them throughout your profile. Okay, that's great. Um, let's talk to a little bit more about content marketing now. I know um, content marketing or blogging or just becoming kind of like a thought leader in the industry um, that you really want to position yourself in has been on the rise in recent years. Um, can you tell us how people can maximize their reach online using content marketing or maybe more specifically, I know that there's like a new function on LinkedIn where you can actually publish articles. Yeah. Absolutely. So content marketing is so important because what positions you as an authority. So whether that's a combination of blogs and articles, white papers, special reports, webinars, ebooks, physical books, I mean, podcasts like this, 
There's so many different forms of content, videos, uh, infographics. There's just tons of options out there. Figure out which ones you like the best and, and do some of them um, because the more consistent you are with content, the more content you have to share um, via social networks, whether it's through LinkedIn groups, individuals, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever, drives more traffic to your, your website. So here's mm. my goal with social media. This has always been my goal with social media. I am a big believer that the most important thing online is the stuff you own and control. Again, I'm coming back to that control thing. I kind of sound like a little bit of a control freak, probably because <laughs> I am as an entrepreneur. I think you should be. Yeah. You know, you really should be. You need to control certain things within your business. And so, um, you know, what do I control? I control my website. What do I own and control? I control my website and I own my email list. Hmm. If LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and everything went down tomorrow, I still own those things. Mm, so okay. I use social media to drive traffic to my website, and I do that via content, and I get people to opt into my email list also via content, whether it's me offering a special report or me offering a new webinar or anything like that. That's what, And then it's via email that you have the ability to stay in touch, stay top of mind, continue to provide value, and make offers from time to time. So okay. that is the key. Content is the key. And you use, so for, for when I started my company, Top Dog Social Media, the first three months, um, I was, I was contacted by every local organization that found me either through my blogs or LinkedIn. And they all wanted me to come speak. I hadn't even spoken before. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like a, you know, well-known speaker. This is my very first time in a company like this. I've owned lots of different businesses, but it was my first social media company, yet everybody was reaching out to me like I was the expert three months in. That's amazing. And that's because I positioned it that way through the content, through creating content and educating people and having a really great LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, um, unfortunately, I know we are out of time here, so I'm just going to ask you one last question. Um, some of the things I did want to talk about were having a daily LinkedIn action plan or some more tips on LinkedIn. But for the listeners who are listening today, uh, Melanie, as we were just talking about content marketing, has some really, really great articles that she publishes on LinkedIn. So definitely check those out. I'll put a link underneath this podcast, um, as well as the book, of course. So my final question to you today uh, that I ask all of our uh, podcast interviewees is what is your number one tip uh, for others on how they can be more love noteworthy in their business and life? You know, I'm going to kind of say something that most people won't like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, that's so important. Don't be lazy. Shortcuts don't work. Okay. I'm a big believer in streamlining processes and creating things so that you can get stuff done you know, fast and, and efficiently and all that, but you need to put the work in to get to that place. I.e., let's talk LinkedIn, for example. You need to have that great profile before you create an outreach plan to mm -hmm. reach out to people, right? So create that great profile. Create those, you know, messages that are going to work and, and, and be consistent with it. Don't use shortcuts. Don't click the connect button uh, without, you know, sending that uh, personalized message. Don't, every single time you do something that you, you know, that, seems like it's a shortcut because you're trying to save time. You're not only hurting yourself, you're actually wasting your time. Mm -hmm. 
You're absolutely wasting your time because it's not going to generate results. So, you know, lay the foundation for your success. Once you've done a lot of these things once, you don't have to do them again. Like writing your LinkedIn profile is something you need to do once. You either hire somebody to do it for you, you do it yourself, whatever, you know, whatever way you choose. Once it's done, it's done. The only time it's going to change is if something big changes for you. So um, put in the time to, you know, set things up properly. Make sure you look good across all platforms that you're branded professionally and that you take that time and that little bit of extra effort to personalize things because even though it does take extra time, it's the only thing that produces results. Well, that is a great piece of advice. And um, thank you so, so much for speaking with us today. I know there's a lot of really great nuggets that you have provided our listeners. Um, Before we end the podcast, I do have a challenge for um, all of the listeners, and that is today, if you have any additional LinkedIn tips or secrets that have really worked for you, tell us what's worked, what hasn't worked in the comments below, and we will definitely engage with you after the podcast. So thank you so much, Melanie. I really appreciate you spending the time, like I said, uh, for being on the Love Noteworthy podcast, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, if people will engage with you after this. <laughs> thank you, Reese. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. 